We go inward in order to go outward. We have been systematically trained all our lives to sever ourselves from our own wisdom, from our bodies, and from our intuition and discernment. I'm Karen Hibner. I'm a spiritual director and podcast producer. I help women and folks of other oppressed identities heal from internalized oppression and trauma and go public with their wild and wonderful contribution to this world so that we can all heal together. Through spiritual direction, we can realign with our intuition or inner knowing and tap into the self-trust necessary to move confidently through this life. This is how we heal. After we realign with ourselves and the wisdom that is inherently in us, we go public so other folks can experience healing too. In this space, we'll explore all the different topics that come up in moving toward your most authentic self as well as deconstruction and rebuilding beliefs and how we grow in self-trust, self-confidence, and realign with our own inner wisdom so that we can go public and bring that wisdom to the world. Welcome to this wild and wonderful journey with me. I'm thrilled for you to heal and go public. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your listens and I'm so thrilled to bring you something today. So we're going to jump right in. There's something that I've been noticing coming up around me in my own personal life, in myself, in people around me, and I've been reacting to it lately. And so I found that invitation in my reactions and my activations to wonder at it and drop into the deeper wondering around it, right? And so what I've, I'm still tinkering with language around it. So this may come out a little bit rough, but I believe that I have it formulated enough for you to follow my thoughts and that it would still be an offering to you and others listening. So I have been wondering a lot about transference and I'm going to define this term for you because this is something that is a very, very common tongue for folks like me, spiritual directors, spiritual caregivers that have been trained in the art of interviewing and sitting with people and being with people. So it's it's also a term that's prevalent in psychology and especially in therapeutic listening and that sort of thing. So let me set this up for you. The Oxford definition of transference is the action of transferring something or the process of being transferred. But in psychoanalysis, the redirection to a substitute, usually a therapist, of emotions that were originally felt in childhood in a phase of analysis called transference neurosis. So transference in a therapeutic relationship would be when a client is placing emotions, like putting emotions out towards the therapist that they experienced in childhood potentially. So if the therapist, maybe like the easiest example is like treating the therapist as a parent figure or something like that, right? And starting to feel those feelings of childhood, feeling those feelings towards that therapist, okay? And then there's something also called counter-transference, and that's when the therapist or the care provider is actually having feelings toward, like, those feelings, projecting those feelings onto the client, 
So transference being like the client, like feeling these feelings of childhood, feeling as though their therapist is like their mother or their father or something like that, feeling either anger or love or something like that from childhood towards their therapist. And then counter transference is when the therapist is actually feeling those things towards the client. So maybe the therapist is starting to identify things, things that the, the client is saying feels like their mother or their father. And so they start to feel these feelings as though they're feeling them for their mother or their father towards this client. Okay. And it's this level of identification and what we're maybe over identifying and that sort of thing. It's different than projection also. So just to note that, but to give you these definitions, because this is the scaffolding through which my brain is working through this thought. Okay. So I've been wondering a lot around transference, this, and this transferring of feelings from one thing to another and how it's been coming up is I had a reaction from a family member about something that we were doing in life and it's out of their context of what is right versus what is wrong and what we do in life, right? And they are the ones that got it all right. They are they are doing it all right. They have this this bulletproof understanding of the world and how it works and we are not operating within that understanding, right? And so there was a reaction and then that caused a reaction in me too, right? And so what made me think of it was this person was given a religious context of there is this right way to live life, this right way versus this wrong way to live life. And they were given that within a religious context, but now it's transferred into this other way. Um, And I'm not going to give you details on this because I want to respect this person's privacy. They've transferred that right versus wrong, this is the path, I know how it is, and I judge others based off of that, they've taken that from their religious understanding and transferred it into this understanding of just how we generally live life now, right? So I was was tinkering with that a little bit, and I was wondering that, noticing that come up in them, and I say that I none of this is from a blame, blame place and sharing this with you is not from a blame place. It's actually completely the opposite. It allows me to practice more empathy for them and more compassion for them. They're reacting to me out of their own desire to control, their own desire to protect how they've figured that things have been working or what they've been given that works of how to live this life, live this life safely, live this life well, survive in this life, whatever the context is. They're judging me out of that, which they believe is loving and taking care, right? Which is also protecting and reinforcing their figured out piece, right? The way that they've have it figured out. And so that's what they're desiring. That's what they're needing. And so I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to press into it. I'm not going to, I can just recognize compassionately and empathetically that that is what is happening, right? And when the time comes, when I feel the invitation to say something or push into it or wonder around it, I can do so in a loving way because I can see where some of this comes from, right? And I can also see this is the compassionate and empathy piece, empathy versus sympathy, is that this comes up in my life all of the time too, right? Even me, this is very meta, but even me explaining this to you is me upholding my own understanding of how this all works and how this person's brain is working to protect myself or to control some understanding of how life works and how life is, right? I've figured it out, quote. Mm, throw me under the bus, right? So, 
I want to give a personal example of this. And I want to give these examples because I think that this is impactful for us in realizing how current beliefs versus held beliefs versus functional beliefs work, okay? And and past beliefs, given beliefs. And my example of me is actually through, it's kind of a tender dialogue to some, it's a very tricky dialogue to have, but I'm going to try to do so right now. So something that I'm extremely passionate about is adapting our lives in a way that is informed by climate change right now. And one of my mentors always says, and I want to say it here in this space, and I want to have a whole episode on this, is also noting that language is important. And when we talk about the climate crisis, that removes us as humans a little bit as saying like the climate crisis is a climate crisis. When in reality, we can talk about this as being a, it's an everything crisis, right? If we no longer have our climate, have our atmosphere, have our earth, we don't go on. This is a, this is a, crisis for our species. It's also a crisis for every species that lives on this earth. And labeling it as a climate crisis, his point is that labeling it as a climate crisis helps us remove, comfortably remove ourselves a little bit from the fact that this is an everything crisis. And they take it a little bit deeper as well that it's also a spiritual, it's a spiritual crisis. It has spiritual implications. It's traumatic to live through. It's traumatic to talk about because in the existential ways that it is talking about the threat to our being, the threat to our existence, and that it's also spiritual in that it's about our connection with earth and connection, therefore, with divine. They also, this mentor doesn't necessarily separate earth from God. And I really love that and have been toying with that for myself as well. And even if you believe in something as far as like God is present through nature or that God is nature, whatever your semantics are there, I honor it, I welcome it. And that for me personally, that I believe that connection with earth, connection with divine are at least extraordinarily integrated and relative. So just to say that. So when I say, when I use the words that are common as far as climate change, climate crisis, I am using those as placeholders to mean the current crisis of human and everything life. So just to give that context, but I am a person that is extremely passionate about adapting our current lives and lifestyles in a way that perpetuates ongoing human life and thriving on this earth and ongoing earth thriving on this earth, right? So I do a lot of things in my life in order to fulfill that adaptation and that desire and that need. Everything from we homestead in a lot of ways, we brew our own kombucha, we try to go as zero waste as possible, and we also have chickens. We grow a lot of our own food through the summer. And we offset certain things that are other passions that are out of alignment with that, like off-roading, and it uses gasoline. And something that's very outside of that realm of zero waste, and also we do a lot of things to offset that in other ways. So 
but that's already getting into the weeds. So the point of this example is that with zero waste, with trying to live sustainably, I have taken it as another place to have a lot of black and white thinking. I have taken it as another place in my life to judge myself very severely and in a game that I cannot win. So with the climate crisis, I have gotten really real at looking at the statistics of how much change one family in one city in one country can create. And I've also gotten really real about looking at statistics and listening to podcasts and all of that as far as what it can look like for every family in every country and, you know, to make in every house in every country to make these decisions and make these changes and how much we can move the needle on those things without it actually being corporate change, right? It's the corporations that have to change. It's our entire supply chain. It's the way that we live our lives. It's all of that, right? And that the the corporate and government piece is so, so, so massive that we as individuals can't really move the needle a lot. And at the same time, looking at the emotional side of it and the trickle effect of it is that if we are living in these ways, we can at least, we can feel better every day about what we personally are doing and knowing that because of the things, the ways that we change our lives and the ways that that then puts pressure on the market to change based on demand that potentially companies and corporations and therefore legislation will change in these ways that we need them to change in order to move the needle on how long we will be able to live on this planet, right? And this is something that I'm extremely passionate, I've always been extremely passionate about. And this is something that I'm particularly passionate about now because I have a three-year-old. So all of that said, this still be an example. This is not my, my soapbox is not about climate today. My soapbox is actually about transference. So let me get back into it a little bit. But I have noticed in my own life where I have borrowed the religiosity and the black and white and the either or thinking of the context that I was raised in and given through the church and through religion to things like my understanding of how to live sustainably. And that comes up in the desire to be perfect, putting a moral meaning to everything. So if we go out to a restaurant and I forget my forever containers and I get some, I get some to-go containers and what they have on hand is a material that I know is not compostable and not earth friendly, I'm judging myself. I'm judging myself for forgetting my forever containers. I'm judging myself for going out to that restaurant. I'm judging myself for giving them my money when they're not making choices that are in alignment with my values, okay? So I've made a moral quandary out of something that is not exactly moral, right? And so I can't tell you how many days, how many times my days have tanked based on some sort of thinking around sustainability and something that I've failed at. I love using my failure at sustainability against myself. And can I tell you something? The other day, my husband was meeting with his spiritual director and his spiritual director was like, what if y'all are doing enough? 
Like he named all of the things that we're doing and how this weight is still upon us all the time. He was like, what if you're doing enough, right? And that is the exact question I would ask somebody, right? And it's so hard for me to access. So there's a little plug for spiritual direction, right? It's so hard for me to access myself, but it's something that I would freely offer to someone else. But I have transferred this religious system to my understanding of sustainability. I am using a different lens to judge myself in the same way that I was given, in the same, the same system that I was given to keep myself small, to keep myself in these comfortable feelings of smallness, powerlessness, like needing a savior space, right? So without getting too deep in those weeds, I am noticing these places of where we have transferred these belief systems into these other areas of life. But what we're really doing is still upholding the belief systems. And I think a challenging part of that that would be interesting to weave out, and I think I would have to do this verbally with someone else because my, my own mind's limitations, is to wonder at that some of this is religious conditioning and here's my dog some of this is religious conditioning and some of this is just cultural conditioning right and it's actually really hard to weed out which is which in this culture because there's so much religious influence and religious cultural influence in our overall culture. I mean, you can see it in our legislation. You can see it in the political wars that we're having right now, just as far as what a religious, like what role religion plays in this culture. I am not going to talk about separation of church and state today, um, though if you would like to chat on that, you can, you can definitely do that with me in a different space. So we are transferring these given beliefs, this given structure, and this given system to all of these other areas of our lives. And I think the really the deeper cut of that and the more important part of that is that every single time I sit with someone in spiritual direction, we notice almost every single time, I think every single time, they are judging themselves still by a context that they do not uphold or believe in. They're judging themselves today, still, every day from a context that they no longer believe in and is no longer in alignment with them and their current values. And part of that is that we have human brains. We have neural pathways. We have these things that are so easy for our brains to go down and it's so hard and it takes such an intentional process of changing thoughts that like, of course, these systems just get transferred onto other things. Of course, I take the religiosity of my past and place it on sustainability because it is where my brain is comfortable. It's what she knows. It's what it knows. We don't need to personify her. It So why I want to talk about this is that when we become aware of it, because that can all sound very like doom and gloom, a little bit nihilistic, right? We don't have the power to change. This is just how our brain works, blah, 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 right? No, we do have the power. We have a lot of neuroscience that backs the fact that we can change neural pathways. We can heal our brains. We can also heal in the face of trauma. We can be with our trauma. We can do all of those things, right? When it is time. 
That's the self-compassion side. This is not another thing to put on your list of things to do better, be better. No way. Oh, let's be aware of my transference all of the time so that I can self-criticize even more. That's still upholding the system. What we're doing is getting so self-compassionate that we can access self-acceptance and recognize our agency and our power and our authority to begin rewiring our beliefs so that they are more in alignment with what we actually believe now. So to break this down for you, I know I've used this term, these terms a lot, and this is something that you get a deeper cut on in the course in Heal. So register for that today if you'd like a deeper cut on this to actually walk through the course um, and get way more stuff like spiritual journey models, access to weekly group spiritual direction, all of those things. Sign up. But I was given through my program through my spiritual direction training, this context of functional beliefs versus held beliefs. And I've developed that out to even further to include given beliefs and current beliefs, held beliefs and functional beliefs, right? And there's this kind of massive diagram, this kind of massive Venn diagram of how these all live together that works out better visually, but I'm gonna try to describe it to you right now. So given beliefs are the things that you are given before your brain is fully formed. These are implicit and explicit things that you are given of just how life works, what happens before and after we are here, what happens when we die, if there's an afterlife, all kinds of beliefs, right? It can be religious things. It can also just be how you're supposed to show up in society as a woman, as a man, as a boy, all of those things, whether or not emotions are allowed all of those things. So the way that your house is growing up, who is around you, how they operate, what they believe about who and how they are, as well as all of those religious things, those religious beliefs, those things that you actually get from being fed scripture and teachings and commentaries and all of that can form given beliefs. Any of those things that are such big thoughts that have been thought over and over and over and over and over again that they are beliefs. They are deep, deep, deep neural pathways, right? And a scaffolding, a system of understanding how life works and how people work and how what we're supposed to do here and what we're not supposed to do here, right? All of those things are beliefs. So that's given beliefs. So then current beliefs can be those given beliefs still, they can also be very different things. So thinking about maybe early 20s and after, if there's been space for analysis of what you do believe, and then also if there's just been experience of experiencing things outside of what you've experienced in your childhood, those are all formulating beliefs also. So, and you can have contradictory beliefs as far as like you're given is against some of your current or you have given beliefs that are against some of your experience, all of that, right? That's all such a web of things, but sticking to the beliefs context. So then we also have functional beliefs and held beliefs. This is where the Venn diagram piece comes in because our, our functional beliefs can be things that are held beliefs or they can be things that are given beliefs. And held beliefs would also be current beliefs, you hope, or they could be functional beliefs as well. So functional beliefs are the beliefs are things that we are able to see, see by patterns in your life, by how you move throughout your days that you believe 
based on your functions, your functionality. So thinking about form over function, thinking about what a chair is, you sit in a chair, right? So when I, this is such a silly example, when I turn on in the shower in the morning, I believe water is going to come out, right? But there's also functional beliefs as far as like, well, let me explain held beliefs first and then I'll explain the example. So held beliefs are things that we hold kind of like in our minds, in ourselves, that are things that are true, that are true, that are true, that are true, but we may not be living those things out. So for example, I may believe that a held belief of mine may be that every human is inherently and deeply loved. And I may also have a functional belief. So through my own inner dialogue, through my actions towards myself, what I feed my body, how I move her, how I care for myself, all of those things, we may see through my actions that I actually have a functional belief that I don't believe that I'm loved at all, right? So that's the difference between held and functional beliefs. So When transference is happening, we're usually judging ourselves based off of given beliefs, even though they may not be current or held beliefs. Okay. So when transference or others, okay, that's the, that's the other tricky piece with the transference thing is that we're always judging other people. So we may be living our lives functionally as though there is a right versus wrong way. So even this person that I'm referring to in my mind, I would say that they probably do not adhere to, and especially not in a Christian way, that there's a right versus a wrong way to live life. And yet their functions, their words towards me are showing that they actually have a functional belief that there is, right? And so that's where all of this gets really, really tricky. And that's what we're doing in spiritual direction is looking at more of the, we're not looking at other people's beliefs because that is not my zone, but we're looking at our beliefs. I'm looking, we're looking at your beliefs through the ways that you are living your life. When you react to what somebody says, what does it push on in you? And so what is the meaning that is being made from what they said? And how can that show us that there's a belief present behind that? And how can we ask if that is a current belief or a given belief? Do you actually believe in that? And if you don't, if it's not a held belief, maybe can we stop judging ourselves based off of it? And maybe can we start living out, functionally living our lives out of a way that we actually, out of the things that we actually have as held beliefs? So the transference piece is that we are doing this all of the time in all different ways. When our brains figure out one system, I think it's very often that we're we're taking that system and applying it to so many different things, right? And this is a hot take, but we can see this even in the way that like, we took a hierarchical governmental system and applied it to the church. We've taken corporate systems and applied them to institutions like the church and churches, right? And have created this hierarchical place of business where arguably community is this place that is free of hierarchy. 
So there's a, you can even see this in communities and spaces. There's a held belief that there is no hierarchical, no one person is better or more holy than someone else, right? Evangelicalism. But yet we see in the hierarchies that have been built into the churches and the communities that are on the ground, a functional belief that there is a hierarchy, that some people are above others. There's a hierarchical system to it, right? So that's just another example, but I think my invitation for you today is that I have been wondering a lot at how I am transferring things in my life, how I've transferred past beliefs onto my current life, how I've transferred past systems onto current systems, how I am judging myself and judging others by outdated beliefs and where things that are no longer in alignment with me because it's a comfortable place for my brain. Through talking today, do you feel like you have found a place in your mind that you may be judging yourself by an outdated system? Can you access self-compassion and empathy for yourself? Can you see why you would be doing that? Can you see the control, the illusion of control that it would give to you? Can you see how it would keep your brain more comfortable and keep it within something that it knows so that it doesn't have to do hard work, so that it can save the calories of rewiring? Do you also see that you're a human and that we're all doing this all of the time? Do you see how I do it even in my daily work and I've been a spiritual director since 2015? You are welcome here. You are welcome to be entirely and utterly in process every single day. You are okay. You're probably not doing anything wrong. If you want to sit with me and discuss some of the ways that you believe you may be transferring are experiencing transference in your life, how you may be judging yourself by given beliefs when you no longer believe in them because you have different held beliefs now, and you desire for your life to be, to be lived in a way, for you to live with yourself and live in your body in a way that is more in alignment with your held beliefs, schedule a session with me today. I would love to speak with you, or you can go ahead and register for HEAL. We would love to have you in that community. You are welcome. I would love to sit with you and be a care provider in your network of care providers. If you are a therapist or a spiritual director, I sit with you as well. I have clients that are therapists. I also supervise if you would like to experience supervision with me, schedule a trial session through that same link. I would love to be with you. I would love to look at your practice with you and help you care for yourself as you care for others. Therapists and spiritual directors, you are also welcome and heal. That is not a space that is sequestered just for directees. Everyone is welcome, and it is valuable to all of you. I can tell you that. We would love to have you. We would love to get to talk with you through the things that it unpacks, 
through these unravelings, this deconditioning, and this deconstruction that you find yourself in. You do not have to be isolated on that journey of deconditioning and deconstruction. You can have folks with you, and you deserve it because you are loved. We would love to be with you. Be well. Karen Hibner. I'm a spiritual director and podcast producer. I help women and folks of other oppressed identities heal from internalized oppression and trauma and go public with their wild and wonderful contribution to this world so that we can all heal together. Ready to work with me? You can join my program Heal right now. The program is made up of an online course of all the tools and schema I use in spiritual direction sessions to empower you to access the most liberation for yourself right now. In addition to that, with the program registration, you get access to weekly group direction calls and an online portal to connect with others on the journey. I also include access to a massive resource list and library with all types of bonus content and everything I've ever read or consumed on my journey of healing. I also offer one-on-one spiritual direction packages for one-hour sessions every other week for six months. The support for your spiritual journey that you receive from spiritual direction is unprecedented. It's a space where you can be 100% honest and 100% you while you process through what beliefs you were given, what you actually believe right now, and how to get your functional life more in alignment with current beliefs than past beliefs. Oh, it's so good. If you're feeling like it's time to go public through podcast production, We can't wait to take your podcast to the next level and get you producing content consistently for your audience and therefore changing the world. Use the links in the show notes to jump on my email list right now and get all the free value I can possibly give in emails and schedule your discovery call with me today so we can wonder together at how you're feeling invited to heal or go public. Be well.